What is up, everybody? My name is Matt Cordova. I'm the senior pastor here at The River, and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast. Now, before the message starts, there's three things that we would love for you to do. One, we would love for you to share it. Two, we would love for you to subscribe. And three, we would love for you to go and rate it. So the message is about to begin. I hope it encourages you, and I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. chapter 7. Um, I do want to uh, pray that we do not hold any grudges against Pastor Matt this morning because he's probably watching from the beach. Um, he's in Hawaii, so Lord, just don't let us hold that so... Oh, don't let us hold a grudge, God, because we're suffering here. He said it was suffering for the Lord, but really it's us. So um, it's like 45 outside, Pastor Matt, if you're watching. Um, we love you. Um, I just want to honor him real fast. Uh, he, like he said, we're really good friends. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, and I'm just so thankful that I get to walk alongside him and do life with him. Uh, I've, we've known Matt and Alexis for five or six years now. Um, and so uh, in that time, he's been one of my greatest supporters. Um, in times where I've needed correction, He's not afraid to correct me, and in times where I've needed uh, a shoulder to cry on, he's literally been that shoulder. Um, and so, just so thankful for him, thankful for you all uh, this morning. So, um, here's what I want to do. I just want to start with uh, where we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. Uh, when I was on staff here, I got to preach through a series uh, with Matt. We called it Hall of Fame. Some of you may remember it. Some of you probably don't. It was like two and a half years ago. Uh, my message was probably forgettable. Um, and so I think I sang in that one, so it needed an extra dose of Holy Spirit, because if you were here, you were probably like, dear God, you quenched the Spirit. Holy Spirit's not here anymore. No, I'm just playing. Um, I did sing in that, though, and no, I do not sing on a professional level, just in the shower and in the car. Um, and so we got to preach through this series together called Hall of Fame, where we were talking about all of the, um, it's Hebrews chapter 11, where it says, by faith, by faith, by faith. And so it's these, these heroes of the faith. Um, and so me being the youth pastor, uh, knowing that the rules don't really apply to me, I went the other way. Uh, and I preached from Luke chapter 7, talking about the centurion, where Jesus said, your faith he, is amazing. He, the, the Bible literally says he was amazed at the centurion's faith. And he only says he's amazed one other time in Scripture. And that is in Mark 6, 6, when he's amazed at the unbelief of the people in his hometown. Um, so luckily, I'm going to preach just straight after that. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, verse 11 this morning. Um, the title of my message before we even get started is, It Ain't Over. Turn to your neighbor and say, It Ain't Over. I know it's grammatically incredible English, so um, it ain't over. Uh, this passage has been on my heart for some time, uh, probably since like August, September, and I haven't gotten to preach through it yet, so I feel like the Lord has something special today, um, and it will be, I hope it's special. I'm praying for it. Amen. So let's read. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible today, uh, if you're following along on your phone, or it's going to be up on the screen for your convenience, um, or if you're like my wife and you don't have your glasses, uh, use your phone. She's blind. Um, sorry, babe. I love you. My wife is beautiful. I wasn't going to do the typical pastor thing. Look at my smoking hot wife, but she is in the front row and she is beautiful. So <clears throat> church culture is weird. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, it says this. It says, afterward, he was on his way to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. Just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was also with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said, don't weep. Then he came up and touched the open coffin, and the pallbearers stopped. And he said, young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report went out, or about him went out throughout Judea in all the vicinity. Let's pray real quick before we get too deep into this. Uh, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you that you are here. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence, just as we sang. Uh, God, I pray that we would learn to, um, to dive into your presence more, God, that we would be more aware of when you're in the room, um, God, which is always, you're always with us. Um, Father, just let us lean into you. Let us lean into more uh, of what you want us to hear. And so, Lord, I just pray that today it would be, uh, this message would glorify you, uh, God, that they wouldn't be my words, but they would be words that you're speaking through me. Uh, so, Lord, we just love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. My sister over there said, amen. Um, here's what I want to do. Uh, I'm going to ask you to be interactive. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. This isn't Catholic Church. We're not going to stand up, sit down. You know what I'm saying? Sit in the leg workout, thankfully. If Matt was here, it would be. You know he's always trying to get those gains. Um, so what I want to do is, is I want to ask a question. Just be honest with me. If you would consider yourself um, a patient person, a patient person, raise your hand. Yeah, my wife raised her hand. She ain't lying. This is church. Yep, Okay. Where are my impatient people at? That means everybody else in the room. Yeah, come on, somebody. I knew I was in good company coming back here, y'all. This is awesome. Um, now, okay, wait. How many of your significant others lied about being patient? Anybody? My man right here. Thanks for being honest. Molly, I see you, girl. I know that for a fact. Let's go. I love it. Okay. This is church. We can be honest with each other. You know, you, you lie a little bit and you're like, yeah, you know what? I did lie. Okay. We're in the house of God. It's okay. So there's forgiveness, y'all. There's forgiveness. So um, <laughs> my wife will probably tell you that I am the most patient person in our family. <laughs> Though, if y'all could see the look on her face right now. I'm the, my mom will tell you that too. I'm the most patient person in our family. Um, not really, y'all. I'm not. I, I'm so not patient. If I want something, I want it now. Where's my impatient people at? If my wife tells me you can't buy that, I'm going to go sell something so I can buy it. You know what I'm saying? I'm selling the dog. I'm trying to, I'm posting anything and everything on eBay. You know what I'm saying? I'm posting my used shoes. I'm like, look, Jesus walked in these shoes. They're special. You know what I'm saying? This Bible, signed by Jesus. It's that old. So I'm trying to buy whatever I can, and I want it now. Anybody else like that? Amazon shipping ain't fast enough for you? You're like, two days? Okay. Uh, nope, nope, nope. Not here yet? Okay, it's here. I'm going home. You know what I'm saying? I can't tell you how many times I've left work to go pick up a package off the porch. It's bad, y'all. It's bad. There are times, if you've seen our son, he's 17 months old. 
He looks just like my wife. Um, Josh Brown was so kind to point out earlier that I had nothing to do with the, um, with the conception of my child. Um, I do joke around and I call it the immaculate conception because he looks nothing like me. He's got like dirty blonde hair and blue eyes, looks just like my wife. Their baby pictures are identical. Um, but there is a moment where my wife will look at me and say, oh my gosh, that's your son. And it's when he's throwing a fit because he's impatient. <laughs> Y'all, like he was like screaming because he wanted some blueberries or something. And Camille's like, do you see your son? And I'm like, why is he only my son when he's like doing that stuff? You know what I mean? When he's acting out. I guess the moral of this point, and I'll close with this, is that I'm only, impatient, I'm only as patient as a one and a half year old. Um, but really, here's the, here's the reason I bring this up. The difference in being patient and impatient when waiting on God. Every once in a while in our lives, we get put through these seasons where we have to wait. And who likes to wait? Nobody. Just be honest. We're at church. I'm going to say this. Waiting sucks, y'all. It is bad. It's not fun, especially when you're waiting on God to move. Have y'all been there? Anybody there recently? Anybody there right now? You're waiting on God to move in your life? Thanks for being honest. It is a moment in your life where you either, you, you have a couple of choices. You can sit and say, um, <clears throat> okay, here, let me back up a little bit. You pray, you ask, you believe. There are seasons where God is like, okay, received, here you go. Like literally moments after you pray, it's like, oh wow, $10,000, this is great. You know, that would be awesome though, right? That'd be incredible. But it doesn't work that way sometimes. I mean, it, it doesn't work that way with money. This isn't the prosperity, health, wealth, happiness gospel, you know what I'm saying? Um, but what happens is there are seasons where we pray and God answers our prayer, what seems like immediately. And then there are seasons of our lives where we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray again and again. And eventually what happens? You feel worn out. You feel like God has abandoned you. You feel like He's left you. You feel like there's, there's nothing left that He can do for you. And can I just burst your bubble a little bit today and say that's not true? The Bible says that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. It says that He's with you always until the end of the age. God is always there. Jesus is always there. Just like when Elijah was running and he ran to the mountain. And God said, go to the mouth of the cave. And then a tornado came by and this great fire came by and an earthquake happened. And all the while, God was not in those things. But where was he? He was close enough to whisper to Elijah, right? I think sometimes we forget that he walks step in step with us. I think sometimes in church culture, we're like, let's welcome the Lord in today. Y'all, he's already there. He's everywhere at all times. He's God. He created the universe. He created you and me. So why wouldn't he be there? Why would we have to welcome a good God in? He's already there. So in our lives, we face these seasons and circumstances and trials, and we feel like, okay, God, but where are you? There have been so many times in my life, y'all, so many where I've looked and looked and looked for where God is in my season, in my trial, in my pain, 
in my circumstance. And I haven't been able to find it, but it turns out I was looking in the wrong place. I'm going to give you that place here in a second. I read this quote recently by the author Charles Swindoll. Some of you may have heard of him. Um, he wrote a couple of books about like really prolific people in the Bible. Like The best one I ever read was about David. Um, but he said this. He said, we don't like waiting, but that's when God does some of his best work on our souls. How many of you know that when you have to be patient for something, it is so hard. It's so challenging. And what it does is if you can actually make it and be patient and get what's waiting for you at the end and you know for a fact that you were patient for it and you waited for it, something has changed inside of you. Something happened internally for you in that season. And that's what he's saying here, that God does his best work on our souls when we're waiting for God. I think we have two options when waiting on God. This first one, you're going to be like, dude, duh. But it's easier said than done. Number one, we can truly rely on God. Okay? Simple enough, right? Easy. You know what? God, I trust you no matter what. But what about when it gets hard? What about when you don't get what you pray for? What about when you pray for something and the opposite of what you prayed for happens? Do you still trust God? Do you still rely on God? <laughs> Number two, we can try and do it on our own and prolong the waiting process. Somebody just went, Phew. like, bro, you've been there. I know, I felt that one all, all the way up here. There are so many times in my life where I've made the decision not to wait on God and I've prolonged the process of what He wanted to give me. Not because He's a bad God. The Bible doesn't say that. It's because I was impatient and I didn't wait for His timing and I wanted it on my own time. I would like to offer up to you today that maybe the reason that you're still waiting is because you don't really trust God all that much. Maybe you're looking at yourself trying to figure it out. Maybe you're looking to other people. You know, when we want to make a decision, we can go to the right people and they can, they can give us insight and wisdom into what the decision that we need to make. But there's a point, there's a threshold where we can go to too many people. And then we're even more lost than we were in the beginning. Because we took too many opinions from man and not enough wisdom from God. There's a point where we have to realize that the most important relationship in our lives has to be with the Lord. I think today we forsake that and we, we go straight to someone who can give us a direct answer because we live in a society that it's always right now. I want it now. I'm popping this in the microwave 30 seconds because I want it now. Amazon shipping, two days, I want it now. But there's something to be said about the one who can wait. There's one of these moments in my life, and this is going to be really real. Um, in August of last year, some of you know about this because you're friends with me on Facebook, and you've reached out to me and followed me, and... Um, 
August of last year, I, I had COVID. Uh, my son had COVID. Um, Camille somehow escaped it. Um, and my mom and dad had COVID. And um, <clears throat> Forrest and I got better. My mom got better. But my dad just kind of kept getting worse. And um, I remember I was up early one morning praying. And it was... Uh, I don't know, I, that sounds super spiritual. I just think I couldn't sleep. I don't normally get up that early. It's like 5.45. You're like, wow, he's spiritual. <laughs> Holier than thou. But I, I was up early. I uh, just couldn't sleep, I think. And I was reading my Bible and, and praying and writing down stuff in my prayer journal. And my mom texted me and she said, hey, uh, we're at the ER with your dad. Um, you know, he's not feeling good. And I'm like, okay. You know, um, in that moment for me, I was <laughs> I was caught off guard. I didn't expect it, um, but it's just the ER, right? People go to the ER all the time. But my first instinct was to pray because that had been instilled in me from a young age by my parents. And when we're faced with hard situations and circumstances, I think that we run the opposite direction a lot of the time. I don't want to generalize everybody in here, but I know how I can be. And I can run in the direction that the Lord's not really calling me to go in, but He wants me to sit down and include Him in my situation. A couple days go by. <clears throat> Dad, well, back up. Dad had been transferred to BSA. Um, luckily, he got a bed at BSA. Uh, my mom had told us that they were going to have to take him out of state, um, which wouldn't have been good. So, you know what we did? We prayed. <laughs> and Dad got a bed at BSA. Um, I think he was there for mama, a day or two. One day, and then they uh, they intubated and put my dad on a ventilator. Have you ever been so desperate? <laughs> Sorry. Have you ever been so desperate for God to move? That it's this physical pain where you just, you can feel it. <laughs> you can feel the desperation growing. My dad was on a ventilator for three weeks. And y'all, it is a freaking roller coaster. Sorry, I can't say freaking. Um, <clears throat> sorry, Matt. I'm emotional. But it is a roller coaster when you're in that situation. Some of you know what it's like. Every day, something different. Every day, a different prayer. And we had prayed and prayed and prayed, and I'd seen God move. I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen, I've seen people be healed of all sorts of things. I've seen tumors absolutely disappear. 
Saul's like, God, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. And for three weeks, it was this up and down thing of, okay, well, this is going on. This is going on. This is going on. And then finally on September 2nd and around 1245, my dad took his last breath here and his first breath in heaven. And you want to talk about waiting on God for something? Some of you know. You can wait on God all day long. And when you don't see what you prayed for happen, it hurts. To the point where I'm about to be really honest with you. My dad had just passed. It's like 1247. My mom, my brother, his wife, and my wife are in the hospital room. And my sweet wife just pulls everybody in and she said, let's pray. Let's pray. And you know what? (laughs) This is a moment of honesty. I looked at the wall and I said, I'm never doing that again because it doesn't work. Can I be honest in here? (laughs) You ever felt that way before? You don't get what you want, so you throw a fit. You throw a tantrum. But God, I prayed. Yeah, okay. But God, I believed. Okay. (laughs) Why didn't you give me what I wanted? And I'm not going to give you an answer because I don't know. Is that okay for me to say? I don't know. Does anybody else know? If you do, find me after church and let me know. We'll sell it. It'll be a million dollar thing. If we can find all the answers, then man, we'd be rich. It doesn't seem like a miracle happened. After I said I would never pray again, uh, what, uh, it was a short-lived moment. My wife and my mom can probably tell you that I ripped off all the PPE stuff that you have to have and I ran out of my dad's hospital room and I just kept running. And my wife found me in a corner of the hospital, just the hallway. And in that moment, I knew I had a choice. I could still believe and know that God is good. Or I could take another route that wouldn't lead to anything good whatsoever. When we choose to do it on our own, we prolong the process. And what's happened is as I've waited for the Lord in this season, what He's done is <laughs> I've had, this isn't, I've had friends lose parents right after my dad. There was five different COVID funerals that I had to go to right after my dad's. But you know what the Lord did? I got to minister to those people that were in their pain because I didn't run the opposite direction. And when God showed up for me is when I realized that the miracle had already been done when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He died and my dad believed. My dad loved the Lord. So what did he do? He was a living miracle because when he died here, he walked into heaven. He was 100% whole. Just because we, it doesn't look like a miracle to us doesn't mean that the miracle didn't happen. 
I talked to Pastor Matt right after my dad died. I was on the phone. He was just talking because I couldn't even talk. I was just in tears, ugly crying, snot face. I don't even know where I was at, but he said, Nate, sometimes when we pray for healing, we pray for heaven. This is just kind of a side note. So if you've been there, here's what happens is when we pray for healing sometimes, they get it. It's just not on this side of eternity. And you know who it sucks for? Your boy. It's hard, y'all, when you wait on God and you don't see what you want. Here's what I think some people, um, y'all doing okay? Are we good? Okay. I don't want to, we got to beat the Baptist to lunch. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm just playing. Um, sometimes I think people think waiting on God is just sitting and waiting and sitting. And the picture that I see in my mind is that like when we're, when we're waiting on God, you ever seen anybody that constantly wrung their hands like this? My dad used to do that, and I could tell he was stressed and anxious when he would do that. He constantly <laughs> always and he had the roughest hand so it's like somebody's just rubbing sandpaper together I was like dear God please stop but he had these rough hands and and he would just I could tell he was stressed or like wanted to talk about something when he would do this and I think when we wait on God the wringing of hands is a sign of anxiousness and anxiety and worry and when we wait on God, it shouldn't be this, it should be this. you got to wait with open hands and an open heart to see what God has for you. Because when we wait like this, we can receive exactly what He has planned. When we wait like this, you ain't receiving nothing like this. You're probably going to receive something from me for wringing them hands. It'll be these hands. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Open hands. When you're waiting on God, do it with open hands. All right, I'm going to move faster here. What time does Pastor Matt usually get done? Right now? <laughs> We're in trouble. I still got a page and a half. Okay, let's move. Here we go. Uh, what kind of preacher would I be if I didn't re reference the scripture that we read through? So, in this story, what we read, you might have forgot it by now because I'm doing that good. Um, what we read earlier is this, this passage of this funeral. Um, and here's what I told you earlier. This passage has been in my heart since like August. Um, I was reading this through Luke at the time, and this one just really stuck out to me. And so um, I was actually supposed to preach. I was already on the schedule um, at my old church or at Messiah's house. And um, I was already on the schedule to preach, and that was the week of my dad's funeral. And my head pastor called me, and he's like, do you still want to do it? And I was like, I think my dad would want me to do it. And, um, and then I had a mental breakdown, and I didn't end up preaching. So um, let's be honest in here. That happens. Anybody ever been there? Woo! It's rough, y'all. Go to counseling. It helps. Um, but I was reading through this, this passage, and so many things just stuck out to me here. Um, let's, let's just briefly, uh, let's briefly touch on this real quick. Um, here's what's happening. The Lord is, uh, Jesus is walking through, 
uh, he's going to Nain, which is about six miles south of where he, he grew up. And he has just come from healing the Roman centurion servant, the one that I was talking about earlier. Um, I won't sing for you this time, so I don't have anything planned. Unless the Lord's just like, sing, baby, I'll do it. Um, but Jesus is walking from town to town, and he's just healing people. And so what we see is Jesus walks into Nain, and what does the Bible say? It says, just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. So he sees a funeral. And what I love this about Jesus, and I think we could all obviously take a note here. It says that Jesus looks at the woman and he has compassion. Can you imagine Jesus looking at you? And you just see like, you know what compassion looks like? Like you can't explain it, but you know when somebody's like looking at you and they're like, oh man, not they're feeling sorry for you, but they, they have compassion for you. You can see the love in their eyes. Just imagine Jesus, man. He's looking at you. He has compassion for this woman. She's just lost her husband. She just lost her son. So in this time, what that would mean is that she was facing an economic crisis, Women, I'm sorry, if you weren't married back then, you weren't making no money. Um, that's just the way it was. So this woman has just, she lost her husband. She's a widow. That's what we see in the, in the text. Now she lost her son. So she's lost all means of financial security. I can't imagine that she's, she's probably sitting there praying and asking God, like, why? Why did you do this? Why did you take my son? Why did you take my husband? And I wonder, I wonder if she's praying for a miracle here. I don't even know that they've ever even, that they would know what that was besides like the Old Testament miracles. But I wonder if she's just praying hard in that feeling of desperation for the Lord to move that I was talking about where you can just feel it. It's a tangible thing. I wonder if that's how she felt. If she was waiting for God to move. But Jesus walks in, he has compassion, and he says, don't weep. Anybody else says that to you in that circumstance? Throw hands. So, side note, some people say the dumbest things. Can I just say that? Like when my dad died, somebody was like, man, I know how you feel. And I'm like, oh, you've lost your dad? And they're like, no, I lost my great-grandpa. I'm like... Your great-grandpa was 103. This is my dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I get you're trying to sympathize with me. Maybe your great-grandpa raised you, but I don't know. But I don't know that you know how I feel if you still got both your parents. You know what I mean? Um, that's just a side note. Um, just take people, with, you know, with a grain of salt. What did Pastor Mark always say? Throw it in the trash can on the way out if you don't want it. So um, anyway, <laughs> it's totally in left field. Jesus sees this woman... And he says, don't weep. Don't weep. This is Jesus telling her he's about to do a miracle. This is Jesus telling her he's about to do something. So he sees her, he has compassion. He says, don't weep. These are two signals from, from Jesus himself that something's about to happen. And Jesus does the unthinkable. He touches the open coffin. And back then, that would make you unceremonially clean. That's a hard word to say. Unceremonially. It would make him unclean, people. You know what I'm saying? So he touches the coffin, 
And everybody's probably like, oh. He's got his hand on this coffin. Back then, like I said, it would make you unclean, but you can't make unclean the one who came to make everything else clean. The one who came to heal. And all of a sudden, this dude just sits up like a jack-in-the-box. And he begins to speak. When he begins to speak, it's a sign that the miracle is done. But let's back up to when Jesus walked in town. The Bible alludes to this. It says, just as he was walking through the gate. These paths intersect. Dude, I'm, I'm pacing as bad as Pastor Matt. I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. I'm going to stand still for 30 seconds. These paths intersect, right? Jesus walks in at just the right time. Three minutes earlier, he's missing the funeral. Three minutes late, he's missing the funeral. But what happens? He walks in just at the right time. Tanner, this is when you might want to adjust that volume because I'm about to get live in here. It's, he told me earlier, he said, I'm going to take you up and down. I was like, dude, you know I get excited. But what happens is Jesus walks in at just the right time. This woman thought her son was dead forever. They were walking out to bury her. And what happens? She encounters Jesus Christ himself, the one that can do any miracle. He can raise the dead. He can heal the blind. He can, un, he can unstop ears. He can make the mute speak. And he walks into town and he sees this coffin. And he's like, you know what? Here you go. Here's a miracle. We don't know what he said. He just said, arise, get up. Was there more than that? We don't know. But it doesn't take any more of that from Jesus. He walks in at just the right time. So what I want to say to you today is you may think something in your life is dead, but it ain't over. It ain't over. You may think your marriage is dead, but at just the right time when you start waiting on God and you stop doing this and you start doing this, Jesus will show up in your marriage. You may think your job is a dead end, but when you stop doing this and you start going with open hands, oh, y'all, he'll show up in your job. When you lose your best friend of years and years and years and you stop doing this <laughs> and you start doing this, relationships come back to life. Do any of you have trouble doing this right here? Receiving with open hands? Sometimes it's hard. We know the Lord wants to do something, but we still... We rely on what we can see. That's never a good thing. This woman thought that her son was dead, buried, and gone. But Jesus shows up at just the right time. Here's what I want to do. I want to burst your bubble today. The manner in which you think things should be done, the time in which you think things should be done, God doesn't care. He doesn't, y'all. <laughs> because His will and His timing is always perfect. Always. If you've been there, you know. You know that God is always on time. But what you have to do is you have to stop trying to do everything yourself and you have to rely on God. It's way easier said than done. 
trying to decide if Braden and them should come up yet. Uh, Holly, are you on keys today? Did I? Okay. Can you get up here? Please. Just you for right now. Is that okay? It just makes it go down a little easier. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're on break still? Is that what she said? <laughs> oh, Braden, come play keys. I thought she said, I'm on break still. I was like, okay. I was about to say, son, come on. I'm calling your head pastor. If you're counting breaks, we need to fix this. <laughs> Thanks, Braden. I lost my place. Oh, yeah, here we go. You see, the situation you've been praying for, it's not out of earshot for God. If you're single and you've been praying for marriage, it's not out of earshot from God. If your marriage is on the rocks, He knows. He hears you. If your relationships are rough or you, can't, you don't see your kids anymore, He hears you. He knows. He's always there. If He'll show up at the funeral of a man that's already dead and raise him back to life, why won't He show up for you? If He can raise somebody from the dead, He can for sure find you a wife. Or a husband. Not for the other one. We don't believe in that. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody got it. <laughs> when we think it should be now, God says, wait. Because what I have for you on the other side of this is better than you could ever imagine. When it looks rough, it probably is. Trust God. Just like me when I lost my dad and I said I'm never going to pray again because it doesn't work. And then I came back, I made the decision that my circumstance wouldn't dictate my belief. Just because you don't see him move in the time frame that you want him to doesn't mean he's not moving. He's working things behind the scenes that we don't even know about. He's, already, he's on your team. The creator of the universe is on your side. The Bible says that if he's for us, who can be against us? I'll just answer for you. Nobody. And nothing but have faith. And God, I only have two points today. They're not really points, but they're just kind of things that I made sure I wanted to say. <sighs> Maybe instead of complaining when God doesn't show up when you think He should, <laughs> we should look inward and ask ourselves, am I ready for what I'm praying for? And this is just the, the phrase that I wrote out here. Examine yourself before you critique God. 
I think a lot of the times we get caught up in thinking we are God without thinking it. You don't sit there and think, well, I'm God, so I'm going to do this. But we think we have control over our lives. We think we have everything figured out. But instead of pointing the finger at God, let's take a look inward. Number two, when talking and thinking about waiting on God, it's easy to ask God where he's at, but it's hard to ask ourselves the same question. Where am I at? Where am I at spiritually? Where am I at physically? Where am I at in my relationship with God? Don't point the finger because the reality is you may not be ready for what he wants to give you. You might not be ready. Recently, I'm going to finish with this, so the rest of the worship team, if you want to come up. Um, recently, this is the moment, the second moment in my life where I've had, to, I've had to really dig in and wait on the Lord. Um, I recently, just like in the past like month, uh, stepped away from full-time ministry. Um, like I said, I was here, and then we were at um, a church in Amarillo for two and a half years. And there was a lot of things going on that I just, I felt like the Lord was saying, it's time to go. Have you ever had to leave something you love <laughs> when you didn't, you didn't feel like you were supposed to leave it in the first place? Anybody? Where you had to take a step that you never thought you were going to have to take. I thought I was going to die doing full-time ministry. And I might still. I might be up here one day preaching and just... Mm. <laughs> That'd be a way to go. Everybody's trying to pray for you, bring you back. But you know what? Don't. I'm with Jesus. It's okay. But I stepped away from full-time ministry, uh, and we waited. <laughs> I felt like, I was in February of last year, I was brushing my teeth. How many of you know God speaks in the bathroom, amen? So when you're brushing your teeth, you're in the shower, you know, we won't mention the other one, um, you're, but God will speak no matter what you're doing. I'm brushing my teeth, and I look over at Camille, mouth full of toothpaste, and I feel like, I was like, the Lord just spoke to me. And she's like, well, spit your toothpaste out and then tell me. So what I felt like the Lord said was, you're going to be moving. It's just be ready for what I'm going to give you. Be ready to steward. Uh, no, really what he said is, are you ready to steward what I'm giving you? I told Camille, I was like, dude, I'm going to be like an associate pastor or a head pastor. You know, I'm like thinking big, you know what I mean? I'm like, yes, this is awesome. A couple months go by, I'm like, yeah, nobody's calling me. God? And then my dad passes away, and I start feeling the urge and the leading of the Holy Spirit to take a step back. And we were driving to Houston right before Christmas, and I told Camille, I said, babe, I think it's time for us to take a step back from full-time ministry. And y'all, that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is say that sentence out loud because I love ministry, which I know some of y'all are going to come up to me afterwards and be like, well, ministry's done everywhere. It is, 
But when you've been in it full time for four and a half, five years, y'all, it is so hard to step away from. But what happened is I waited from February until December, a full year before God gave me the word to move. Before he said, go. Before he said, are you ready for what I'm about to give you? So we prayed about it and we felt like the Lord was in it. I turned in my resignation in December and I was done in the middle of January. Y'all, I didn't have a job. (laughs) My wife is so cool. She's like, you know what? The Lord said it, so we're going to do it. And we're going to believe it. I was like, yo, I don't know how we're going to pay the house payment. I got a truck payment. Forrest goes to daycare. But my wife's like, let's do it. And this is an example, y'all, of how obedience is greater than sacrifice. I turned in my resignation, and Camille and I have some mentors in our life um, who I had walked with them through this decision. Um, your pastor was included in it. But this one, this one mentor of ours, his name is Rich Smith. Um, he was sitting at our dinner table, and y'all, I'm just complaining. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was like, well, this, 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 and this, but da, 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 da. Because you know what? It feels good to complain. Somebody, amen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it's like, dude, shut up. But we're sitting at my kitchen table, and I'm rattling all these things off. And you know those people who are like super wise? They don't say anything the whole time you're talking. And then when you finish talking, they still don't say anything. And it's like, did you hear anything I just said? But really what they're doing is they're going through their mind, thinking of the wisest thing that they can say. They speak before, or they don't speak before they actually know what they want to say. I have that issue. I just kind of throw things out there. You've probably noticed. But he looks at me and he says, you know, Nate, he said, this is a cheesy analogy, he said, but uh, you know, like in Tarzan, the cartoon, when he's swinging from one vine to the next, he's got to let go of the one behind him to reach for the one ahead of him. And he said, for a moment, He's not holding on to anything. And I looked at Camille and I was like, I waited for this guy to say something. He pulls out a Tarzan reference. But what it was is it was, it was so good of him to say, you've got to let go of what you feel secure in. And for a moment, you may be reaching for something and you may not have anything in your other hand. You may be suspended in midair but at least you trusted God to take care of it. When you wait on God, sometimes it looks like swinging from one vine to the next where you don't have anything in your hands and you're just waiting for the ground to hit. But when we trust God, He'll always bring that that vine a little bit closer. A little bit closer. When we wait on God and we truly wait on God and we think, how could it be any better than this? During my time, uh, I had about three weeks off, a little sabbatical, which was great. Um, I applied uh, at a company called Beat and Bow Homes. You may have heard of it. Um, Camille works there as well. I applied and uh, y'all like not even, I don't know, it was like 48 hours after I turned in my resignation, they called and they said, what do you want to do? You want to come work here? And I was like, well, I, I mean, yeah, that's why I applied, you know? I was like, I need a job. 
But we had to wait a little bit and see God move in that area of our lives. We had to fully trust God with everything. And when I actually got the call and they offered me a job, I texted Camille and I said, look, I just got the job. And she texted me. I actually wrote down the text message she sent. She said, why do we even worry? She's so wise, y'all. I'm an idiot. She's wise. But she said, why do we even worry? That's how it feels when we trust God and he comes through with what we were praying for and it's better than what we actually prayed for. We're like, why did I even worry? Because it's better than anything I could ever imagine. So when we wait on God and we're, we're obedient and we hold our hands open and we say, God, I trust you to move in my life. I trust you to do what you want to do. That's when he decides to move in our lives. That's when he decides to show up in the moment of need, in the moment of trial, in the moment of a, a tough circumstance. And he says, you know what? Because you trusted me, here you go. The Bible doesn't say that he's just an okay shepherd. It doesn't say that he's just eh, the world's okayest dad. It says he's the good shepherd and he's a good father and he wants to give you good gifts. He wants to give you good things. Some of you, I know, I'm feeling it right now. You think, you know what? God's never showed up for me when I needed him. I'm here to tell you today, lean in even harder. Lean in. Trust him fully. Release the things that have been holding you back. Open your hands. you got to let go of something for your, to, to receive, right? You can't, you can't do this if you're holding something in your hands. But when you go with open hands, God says, okay, I'm going to bless you. Would you guys stand with me today? I know we're going to go back into another worship song or two more worship songs. Um, uh, do we call it prayer team still? Okay, awesome. Here's what I want to do today. As we go back into worship, um, I always like to do this because it gives me an opportunity to minister from, uh, from the floor and not the pulpit. Um, I just want to ask you to be bold today. Um, if you've been waiting on God and you don't feel like God has moved, would you come up and get prayer today? If you feel like the Lord has been trying to move in your life, but the reality is sometimes we sabotage what the Lord's trying to do by trying to do it ourselves. If that's you, would you come up? I'm going to be up here praying for people. I would love to pray with you. I would love to talk to you, whatever you need. Um, but what I want to do is I just want you to be bold, and I just want to pray together, like really, really pray. Um, and what I feel like in my heart is I'm supposed to pray for the Lord to do more in this community. I know because I've, I've stayed so close with Pastor Matt. I know what the Lord's doing here in Panhandle. But I feel like there's more. I feel like God wants to move so deeply in you as a church family. I know he wants to move so deeply in this community. And so would you just pray with me today? God, we just, uh, man, we're just in awe of who you are. That you're a good God, that you love us, that you care for us, that you give us good gifts, even when we don't deserve them, Father. God, I pray for every heart in here who's been questioning whether you love them or not. God, I pray for all the hearts in here who have been waiting and yearning for you to move in their lives.
Lord, I feel like you're just impressing on my heart that there's somebody who's been waiting and trying to get pregnant and they can't. <laughs> and God, I just, I just pray that you would give them the boldness and the courage to come forward and get prayed for today. God, that they've been waiting for the blessing of a child and God, you want to give it to them. So Lord, I just pray for boldness for that person. I don't know who you are. I don't know if it's multiple people or if I'm completely off base, but Lord, I just pray for all those waiting uh, for for financial breakthrough, for for marital breakthrough, God, for a breakthrough in their job, in their lives. God, I pray that we are a people who are comfortable in the waiting because you are working even then. I pray that we're a people who who encourage others to wait on God because what you can give us is better than anything we could ever imagine. And Jesus, today, I just thank you for going to the cross 2,000 years ago so that we could have a life greater than we deserve. You hung up on that cross and you bore our sin, shame, guilt, condemnation. Lord, you took it all for us. So if you're dealing with shame from your past, just realize today that Jesus took that and he bore that on the cross for you. And when he died, he rose again three days later and he came back so that we could have a relationship with his father and our father. God, we thank you for letting us be in your family. Thank you for adopting us, God. So Lord, I just pray over every heart in here today, God, that if they don't know you, Father, that you would just impact them today. God, that you would impress upon them to get to know you. God, I pray for strength and courage and boldness on how to wait for you. So, Lord, we just love you today. We thank you for who you are, Jesus. We just say. Hey, that's the message. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. In fact, if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing week.